Welcome, Bird Gang. It's cliche yet true. Always easier to make adjustments and corrections after a win. That's where the Cardinals find themselves on this Tuesday. One area to improve upon, the deep passing game. The team didn't take many shots down the field, though there was a reason, which we'll get into. Hassan Reddick, the new role as an outside linebacker, suits him quite well. Plus, we'll go inside the NFC West. How did the rest of the division fare in week one? It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 311, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So there's a 24-hour rule in the National Football League. You're supposed to leave what happened on Sunday by Monday night, Tuesday morning. But MJ, I don't know. Here we are on a Tuesday, and I'm still feeling good. So I'm going to extend this just for myself, and maybe the Bird Gang will join me. Maybe you will as well. I'm going to extend this to a 48-hour rule and enjoy the win in San Francisco for another day. Yeah, and and listen, uh, you know, we're definitely going to get into the Washington football team, but when I get to Wednesday and we get the first injury report, and and obviously uh, that's when the heavy install is between Wednesday and Thursday, so I'm with you. Um, Now, if they lost, maybe we're starting to talk about the Washington football team, but hey, let's enjoy it. It hasn't happened for a while, you know, getting off to a good start. Uh, There's three things that we talk about going up there. It was a road game. It was a division game. It was a conference game. So it's very important for this organization and this team to get off to a good start. And now the question is, or the issue at hand, is protecting home field with back-to-back home games with Washington and Detroit coming to State Farm Stadium. And we'll have to ask, because it has been a topic of conversation since immediately after the ball game on Cardinal Talk, as much as everyone was excited about the 14 catches for DeAndre Hopkins. The question is, when you look at the final individual statistics, well, Larry Fitzgerald only had four catches. Kenyon Drake had two catches, which is one more than Christian Kirk. Certainly with your number three wide receiver, you would hope that Kirk becomes more of a focal point, but it's hard to get touches for everyone involved. Yeah, and and I know a lot of people, you know, on Twitter, through the game, I wish Kingsbury would stop the dink and dunk. Listen, they're going to do what the defense gives them. And that's the reason why Kyler Murray was able to run 11 times. Um, he should have had 100 yards. Obviously, the two kneel downs cost him five and four yards, so that's nine total. You know, Larry Fitzgerald, he, he's he's a guy that's going to get bracketed with over-the-top coverage, and then he's going to get underneath. Um, he's very savvy. He finds the sticks. You know, Dan Arnold, I would have th- assumed that he's going to get targeted more. You know, Max Williams, obviously, was the guy out there. Christian Kirk, that's, uh, you know, again, targeted five times, one reception for zero yards. So, yes, we look at 16 targets for Hopkins, 14 catches, 151 yards. He averaged about 11 yards a catch. Um, but I do think at some point you're going to have to spread the ball around. And I, obviously every week's going to be different. You look at the secondary with the Redskins, which we'll get in later in the week. Um, but again, it, at the same time, these guys are willing to sacrifice numbers for wins. 
Look, it's a good problem to have, and I think we should kind of reserve complete judgment for a few more games. Yet at the same time, you do want to spread it out, and you don't want to just focus on one individual. But if you're looking from Kyler Murray's perspective and the defense is taking away everything else and Hopkins is one-on-one, I'm sorry. I'm looking at number 10's direction every single time until – that defense shows that they're going to bring another safety over the top or double him at the line of scrimmage. And then that's when Fitz, Kirk, Isabella, and so on and so forth, that's when they become a little bit more featured in the offense. Yeah, and the Cardinals had a great game plan based on the matchups. I mean, Richard Sherman plays sides. So, in other words, you, you saw Hopkins line up pretty much on the majority on the left-handed side. Now, there'll be time there in bunches where you have all three receivers, you know, just a yard apart from each other, all running different routes. And Kyler Murray, you know, he's he said the game slowing down for him, and you could see he was going through his progressions trying to extend plays. If guys are open, he's going to find you. And, you know, Dan Arnold didn't get, a, you know, enough touches to where we're sitting here clamoring for him to get more touches. But... If you go back to the um, the touchdown pass to Chase Edmonds, if you look at the replay, Dan Arnold actually froze the, the linebackers and Chase Edmonds froze the linebackers and Murray gave him the ball at the exact time and he gets to the end zone. So it doesn't show in the in the stat sheet, but if you watch the game, uh, they had effects on, on the scoring play in that drive. I think people had an expectation, and, and we did as well, on what this offense could look like and the potential and I think some of us wanted to see it right out of the gate and I don't fault anyone for thinking that yet it's cliche but it's true you take what the defense gives you and you call it dink and dunk and that kind of gets frustrating because at the same same time that forces you as an offense to now all of a sudden have to go on eight nine ten play drives in which more mistakes are potentially can happen as opposed to maybe a two three four play drive in which you had that chunk play and we didn't see a lot of chunk plays but because of what the 49ers were showing defensively according to head coach cliff kingsbury there were a lot of too high safety looks so that was taking away the deep shots and allowing the cardinals to throw underneath in fact according to next gen stats kyler murray short pass attempts 22 of 28 for 173 yards and a touchdown those are great numbers, and bottom line is, did you score and did you win? Yeah, and they're much more effective on third down. They're much more effective in the red zone. I mean, those were two issues last year. He only was able to get sacked twice, and, you know, I'm sure that uh, the one he did run out of bounds, you know, to where it does go on the on the offense, and everyone's going to think about the offensive line. So, yeah, no, I'm not using the word dink and dunk. That's what people were saying. Uh, but, again, uh, listen – they watch so much film. I trust what they do. It may not be pretty. It may not be what you want. Um, but, again, it, this is a week-to-week proposition, and you're, you're going to see different guys get targeted. Would it surprise me at the end of the year if DeAndre Hopkins has 145 targets? No. That's why he's a number one wide receiver. That's why he lines up on the outside. That's why he gets separation and, and he gets off press coverage. He is one of the dynamic wide receivers. And, again, you start looking at the – quarterback-wide receiver combo. It's the most exciting right now in the National Football League. And even when a receiver like that is covered and sometimes maybe even double-teamed, 
they still find a way to get open, and sometimes you still have to throw them the football. Well, Hops said that uh, during his press conference. If they want to they wanna roll coverage over on me, meaning he's going to get a corner at the line of scrimmage, and then they're going to roll a safety over so they don't want any deep ball. But we know that he's effective in the slant pass. He's effective in the open field. He's going to get yards for catch. And that, you know how I feel. And if teams want to put a spy on Murray, that means somebody else is open. So just be patient. We haven't even seen uh, what this offense can look like. I'm telling you, when they go with the hurry-up offense, no huddle, and you could see it last year in the fourth quarter, the Lions had their hands on their hips. You could see that from the Niners in the fourth quarter. Um, They're not where the Cardinals are when it comes to pace of offense, and they did that the entire training camp. This team will take its shots down the field when opportunities present itself, and Hopkins brought that up. Yeah, we will throw the football deep, quote, but the name of the game is winning, end quote. So I don't think it's so much frustration as opposed to looking at the final stat line and seeing just how top-heavy the pass receiving was. Yet at the same time, you won in San Francisco. You're 1-0 for the first time since 2015. And I'm sure some of it is also fantasy football related as well, that certain guys aren't getting their looks. Well, let's be honest. If, if they lose that game and you bring up a stat that Larry Fitzgerald didn't get a single catch in the second half, what's the first thing we say? How do you not get Larry Fitzgerald involved? I mean, Christian Kirk. If you lose the game, then that opens up for criticism because you're thinking – you have more than just one receiver, and and the teams are aware of it, but it will happen. You just got to be patient. And I think we might see more of the same as far as that quick passing game, the shorter passes, getting the ball in open space this coming week because this Washington defensive line is just as good, some will say better, than the San Francisco 49ers defensive line, and we'll get more into in-depth later in the week. But Washington had eight sacks against Carson Wentz. He had hardly any time in that pocket. And if you're Kyler Murray, you don't want to get hit. So you're going to throw the ball, get rid of it, a lot quicker than perhaps against another team. Yeah, and he had two interceptions. I'll take the Cardinals running backs. I'll take the Cardinals uh, wide receivers. The way that Zach Gertz and uh, Dallas Gardet one of their draft picks, uh, I would probably take their tight ends, but I'll take the Cardinals running backs. And the fact is that, you know, they've invested five number one picks on that D line. And so, and and we got a chance to talk to Justin Pugh earlier in the week. And he said they may be deeper at the interior. And that's saying a lot because the Niners have invested a ton of draft picks on their front four. And they're another team that rushes four without blitzing. So, I think the Cardinals' offensive line, uh, hopefully everyone's healthy and they're good to go. I'm not uh, opposed to Lamont Gilliard. Um, he's a strong player. He played at Georgia. He played in the SEC. Uh, he went against a lot of good t- defensive tackles in that conference, especially playing in some of those big uh, bowl games. So, you know, you like to have your five starters, but uh, uh, this team will try to get to the quarterback rushing four, and they have the bodies to do it. I'm glad you brought up Gilliard. We still do not know his exact status, talking about Mason Cole getting hurt and Gilliard stepping in. But Pugh was very complimentary of Lamont Gilliard earlier, calling him actually the MVP of the game because he played almost the entire second half in which the Cardinals turned the game around. So that's saying something for someone who played his first 
offensive action in the NFL. Didn't play at all last year. And what do we hear last, late last year, probably after uh, maybe the uh, Week 6-17 game, when Locker clean out? Who was the MVP of the offensive line then? Justin Murray. Justin Murray. And because these guys haven't had the opportunity to get you know playing time, Murray starts 12 games, he plays in 14. He's the Cardinal swing tackle. Lamont Gilliard didn't even sniff the field last year. But because he's been in the system for a second year in a row, and we know that Sean Kugler trusts these guys, whether it's Max Garcia, whether it's Justin Murray. So, you know, you like to have your five starters, but I don't think there's a huge drop-off. I think he's actually more athletic than Mason Cole. Well, and give him credit for being at the ready, and then when your number is called – taking advantage of it it's we say it all the time you have to be ready at a moment's notice in this case it was at a moment's notice it was early in the third quarter in fact it was that first drive of the third quarter in which mason cole goes down with a hamstring injury and gilliard comes in cardinals trailed at that point 13 to 10 and they end up scoring 14 points with Gilliard as your starting center. Well, and I think the reason why they went with A.Q. Shipley last year, because he was a veteran guy and it helps making the calls. You know, according to Pew, it didn't seem like he got a whole lot of help from his, his guards. He was familiar with the, with the checks. Um, obviously, you know, they didn't go to a silent count um, because no fans, but there was crowd noise. But that's, that's to me, something to build on. And you give him another start, um, and, and who's to say he won't be your future center? Obviously, they're investing in Mason Cole. Uh, Mason Cole, obviously, was a starter for a reason, but you can never have enough depth. And I like where they are with their top eight or nine guys. Uh, and that's Max Garcia, Justin Murray, and Lamont Gilliard. Make sure you subscribe, Cardinal fans, to Arizona Cardinals Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Raids, The Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. Talk about the unsung hero of a Lamont Gilliard. Well, there were a couple unsung heroes, guys that stepped up on Sunday that typically you wouldn't expect or you're not counting on. Yes, we expect big things out of Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Kenyon Drake, Chandler Jones, Patrick Peterson, Buda Baker, but it's those other players that sometimes don't get a lot of the attention. Well, one of those players, Hassan Reddick, has received considerable amount of attention because a former first-round draft pick, 13th overall, someone who has bounced around inside, outside, inside, now back outside, a number of different defensive coordinators, yet he might have finally found his spot, his role within this defense, and that is playing outside linebacker. Craig, they need him, and hopefully he puts good tape out there. I know the Cardinals didn't pick up his fifth-year option, um, but he's here for the entire year, and a lot of people thought maybe he would be a cap casualty. That was never going to happen. He's really behind Chandler Jones and, and Kennard. He's your really number one uh, outside linebacker along with, along with Kylie Fitz, and Kylie Fitz doesn't have a lot of experience. And let's be honest, I mean, Reddick can play on special teams. He may not be the biggest guy. Um, he's, a, he's a great guy in the locker room. He, he understands his roles, and I think he's confident and he's comfortable you know, coming off the bench. I'm sure he wants more playing time, but it's a perfect scenario for him to go out there, and there's not a ton of pressure on him now. Just go out there and play football. He addressed the media earlier via video conference call talking about how comfortable he feels at outside linebacker. Quote, I'm loving the role, end quote. He was on the field, MJ, on Sunday for 30 snaps, more than Isaiah Simmons, and 
not many more or less than some guys like a Devon Kennard, who was on the field for 34 snaps. So perhaps it was just week one or the game plan for week one. But if this is the season in which Reddick kind of breaks out, breaks free, then he'll be in this league long term. I don't know if it will be with the Cardinals, but he needs to be able to show now, do it again next week. Do it week in and week out. Be that consistent player. Well, we remember his rookie season. You know, obviously they looked at it as possibly, you know, a guy that can play with his hand in the dirt in a 4-3. And then you find out he's more, uh, much better and effective on the outside. So I don't see his role changing unless an injury occurs, but I, th- I think he's going to play outside. Now, let's talk about Isaiah Simmons. He logged 18 snaps total. He lined up in the box, slot, defensive line, and outside corner. Well, what he did in coverage, however, was nothing we saw from when he was at Clemson. So on eight coverage snaps, he was targeted three times. He allowed three catches for 86 yards, and he was on the back end of two touchdowns. You're talking about pro football reference. Pro football reference. Their grades of the Cardinals and specifically Simmons. Yeah, he was on the field for that Raheem Mostert 76-yard catch and run. Whether Simmons was beat or he didn't have the correct uh, stance, it kind of looked like he was off balance a little bit. And then the Jarek McKinnon touchdown in the fourth quarter, that was seemed like to be more of a pick play, yes. and McKinnon was wide open on the left side. There was no one within five or six yards, so that could have been any one uh, person's fault or a collective group. you got to go back and figure out, okay, what happens when this happens, and you can't have guys run into one another, and that's exactly what happened on that play. Well, I mean, it was blatant. On, on the, he, just, he just trailed the play. It different, you know, Again, he's not going to have the same ang- angles in college, and to me, when he watches film, he's he's going to learn. And I'm not saying that he's not going to be out there because he he was he started the game. And when they went to three inside linebackers, he's going to be involved in sub packages. And you know, I know they want to slow play him, but he has the the ability and the and the versatility to play different positions. I think he'd be much better in the front seven. Uh, and allowing him to rush the passer on some of their sub packages. We know teams are going 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers, one tight end, one back. Um, but they're going to find a role for him. You don't draft a guy eighth overall. But once again, you're going to have to temper your expectations. We'll see a snap count from the month of September, October, November, and December. And we're having this conversation next year. I expect him to be an every down player. And we talked about this during Monday's show on how the Cardinals started defensively with two down linemen, Corey Peters, Jordan Phillips, and as you mentioned, five linebackers. Chandler Jones, Devondre Campbell, Jordan Hicks, Devon Kennard, and Isaiah Simmons. Now, that's a package that we've heard Vance Joseph talk about because of the talent amongst your linebackers, specifically your inside linebackers. Yet, maybe you substitute a Simmons for a Reddick because obviously Reddick showed on Sunday that he deserves more than the 30 snaps that he received because of how effective he was on the field. And I'm, I'm happy for him because, one, nice guy, puts in the work, and you want guys like that to be successful. You don't root against anyone like that. It's just when you're a first-round draft pick, there's a ton of expectations, and sometimes it's hard to live up to those expectations. Well, if, if you want to look at it, I mean – Give uh, Kennard and Campbell a ton of credit for the goal line stance. 
But, I mean, Chandler Jones is going to log. You know, he's a three-down edge rusher. He may come off the field just to get a breather or maybe they feel like, you know, if it's in the fourth quarter and they got a lead. But I do think Reddick's going to eventually start to, you know, split time with Kennard. Kennard's clearly the starter. But that means these guys are going to be fresh in the third and fourth quarter. That means they'll be fresh in, in October, November, and December. So they'll have a plan. And, you know, we'll see how some of these other draft picks between Lecky and Rashard Lawrence, um, because their snap counts weren't the same. Um, at least I thought they would get more time. But they're they're young players. And Corey Peterson, once again, had about 70% of the snaps. So he's a, he's a veteran guy, Jordan Phillips. You know, I think he'll get more snaps. And Zach Allen, I, I think he'll get more snaps. And then Black Sun, he's, he's probably going to earn more playing time. So I really like the rotation, what they have in the front seven. And I wonder right now, you bring up Corey Peterson, how much he was on the field and still maybe more than we anticipate. Let's go back to what we talked about in, the tra- in training camp, the known versus the unknown. Guys that are in their second season in this defensive scheme – a Devon Kennard, a Jordan Phillips, still learning. They're kind of brand new. Yes, you might look good in practice, but when it's real live game action, how do you adjust? How quick are your are you thinking out there, or are you reacting? Maybe right now a Devon Kennard is uh, thinking, and a Hassan Reddick is reacting, because there is only four snaps difference between the two. Kennard had 34, and Reddick had 30. So for one week. Maybe it's the opposite next week or in two weeks. Well, I got to think they found something there. I mean, Reddick, he, he can rush the passer, and he plays on teams, just like Kennard. He can rush the passer. He, he's averaged about seven, seven and a half sacks the last three years when he's with the Giants and the Lions. Of course, a couple of those came against Kyler Murray in week one last year. But, yeah, I think that's going to be the recipe for the entire season. I think they're going to ride the hot hand in the second half. Well, it's – Kind of like we talk about a running back who's got the hot hand and you keep feeding them, you keep feeding them. Same thing can be said defensively, especially when you have a rotation, whether that's on the defensive line or the linebackers. Maybe not so much in the secondary for guys who are on coverage because you kind of get familiar with a wide receiver or tight end that you're constantly lining up against and you kind of see their tendencies. I don't think Chandler Jones is going to be coming off the field a lot, but if there are guys – behind him that are stepping up you know maybe we do see more of reddick than canard maybe we do see more of reddick than and an isaiah simmons at least initially and it's just sometimes it's going to take a little bit longer for some guys to kind of quote unquote get it if you will yeah i still think canard and chandler jones in their base defense i still think they're the outside linebackers but teams want to spread you out don't be surprised if Reddick comes in. But I do think that, that that's something to follow, Kennard and, and Reddick's snap count, because I think they got a, a good one-two punch when it comes to the starter versus the reserve. Campbell and Hicks, by the way, the other two inside linebackers, played all 62 of the defensive snaps on there. And, of course, Hicks now in 17 games as an Arizona Cardinal has yet to miss a defensive snap. I don't think he wants to come off the field. No, put it this way. (laughs) It will be a story the very first time we see him on the sidelines. And if it doesn't come on Sunday, then it will come Monday morning when we get the uh, official snap counts. And all of a sudden, if it says anything less than 100%, it will be a story because he's now on a little bit of a Cal Ripken streak, if you will. No, there's no doubt about it. And he enjoys to play every game. He's the captain on defense. 
defense, and he kind of is the, the coach out there because Vance Joseph is standing on the sidelines. Bird Gang, make sure you update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. All right, week one in the books here as we come to you on this Tuesday. Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. How about, MJ, we go inside the NFC West. How did the rest of the division fair and a couple of postscripts if you will on the 49ers we don't need to go too in depth on them we just saw them a couple of days ago though in listening and reading the 49ers version of the recap from week one they did not lose their first game until week 10 last year and went five and one in the division and here they are off to an 0-1 start. They've got to be surprised. Yeah. I mean, they. I'm sure they felt comfortable playing at home. I don't get into Super Bowl hangover. I mean, the Rams, well, they, they finished with a winning record last year, and they got exposed in the Super Bowl, at least Sean McVay did. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they woke up a sleeping giant in the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, they're going to have to deal with them for the next five to ten years. Kingsbury versus, you know, Robert Sale. And then you throw in Vance Joseph against Kyle Shanahan and advantage Vance Joseph. Again, it's about having better players, better personnel. But they woke up a sleeping giant, and the Cardinals, you know, you start looking at, you know, we know they're probably in the Tier 3 when it comes to teams. Kyler Murray is in the Tier 3 when it comes to quarterbacks. And it wouldn't surprise me if we get to, I don't want to get ahead of myself, one week at a time, um, you got to win these next couple home games. But I think when we get to October and November, I think Kyler Murray and this Cardinal team will be in Tier 2 in the National Football League. Well, knock on wood, let's hope that happens. After the ball game on Sunday, 49ers offensive tackle Mike McGlinchey, quote, I don't think anybody is thinking about what happened last season after today, end quote. The 49ers now on the road at the Jets. First of two straight on the road at the Jets and then at the Giants. And last I heard, they are going to stay back east. Now, it's something that the Cardinals had discussed. I don't know if anything official has been determined because now, given COVID-19, most West Coast teams stay back east in between East Coast games and much the same thing that East Coast teams do on the West Coast. But that might be a little bit different because now of all the different protocols and much difficult it is now to kind of keep everyone, quote unquote, inside a bubble. I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, Now the testing is is definitely working, um, but it makes sense. I mean, if you're the Niners, you're traveling from the West Coast, different time zones. Um, it makes total sense that they're going to stay back there. Uh, obviously, accommodations and you know trying to get into a bubble will be more effective. I wouldn't rule it off for the Cardinals. I, again, we haven't heard anything. I, I know it's been considered. I guess we'll cross that bridge when they get to it. But it makes total sense from a football operations standpoint to not travel back and forth when you're playing back-to-back East Coast games. By the way, a couple of injury items on the 49ers. Tight end George Kittle did suffer a knee sprain, although he only missed one snap after the hit of Buda Baker. But the 49ers are monitoring Kittle. And Debo Samuel placed on injured reserve before that contest because, according to Kyle Shanahan, he suffered a setback in a recent workout. So he's not only going to miss 
the first game, but he's going to miss two more games at least as well. So that's a big hit for the 49ers wide receiver core. Yeah, that's injured reserve to return. And right according to that stipulation, you miss the first, you miss three games versus waiting for, you know, week 11 or 12. And right now, the 49ers last place in the NFC West, the Seahawks and Rams both winning. On Sunday, let's touch on the Rams. They played on Sunday Night Football, beating the Cowboys 20-17, to the first game ever at SoFi Stadium. It looks nice. I'm sure it will look even nicer once fans are allowed back in the building. But uh, a good job by the Rams offense. Jared Goff, 275 yards passing, 105 of which went to Robert Woods. And Malcolm Brown rushing for a career-high 79 yards and two touchdowns. Who needs Todd Gurley? Well, and then you throw in Cam Akers, you throw Robert Woods. He, you know, he's a guy that obviously gets the ball in his hands. They ran the ball 40 times for 153 yards, average 3.8 a carry. Their longest run was 14 yards from Woods. Two rushing touchdowns. Um, if you can protect Jared Goff, and you know they got some production from their defense. You know, um, you know, Elliott was close to 100 yards, but for the most part, um, Dak Prescott. Didn't light the scoreboard up when it came to touchdowns. He threw for 266, one touchdown. Amari Cooper, 10 catches for 81 yards. C.D. Lamb. So that's the recipe I think we're going to see from the Rams. Running back by committee, protect Goff, and then try to open up the play action. And Tyler Higby, he only had 40 yards, but he's a weapon along with uh, Jarrett Everett when it comes to their tight end position. So a little bit different approach from the Rams. And, you know, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I thought the Rams would go with a lot of two tight end sets. Then I was reminded they got the best uh, probably slot receiver in the football in Cooper Cup. Yeah, and then, of course, defensively, Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald. He had a sack, still wrecking havoc on opposing offenses, and that Rams defense holding the Cowboys to three points on six drives in the first half. Rams put up 422 total yards. They were 9 for 17 on third down, which is over 50%. As for the Cowboys, only 3 for 12. So that defense got the Cowboys off the field. Mike McCarthy made a decision. He was going to go for it. Maybe he should have kicked the field goal and played for overtime. Rams now, like the 49ers, on the road for the next two weeks at the Eagles and then at the Bills. So the uh, half of the division on the road, the other half at home this coming week, including the Seahawks. They'll be the featured game on Sunday Night Football as they host the Patriots. Seahawks winning in Atlanta on on Sunday, excuse me, 38 to 25 and this was this was kind of a weird ball game because you look at the overall final stats you wouldn't have thought that the Seahawks won they had fewer first downs fewer total yards ran 19 fewer plays and went three of nine on third down yet they were two scores better than the Falcons yeah and and what is it about the the Seahawks going to the east coast their record's been remarkable and when Russell Wilson provides four touchdown passes and, you know, they, their defense, uh, maybe they don't get the credit because they get overshadowed by the offense. We know Pete Carroll's a defensive-minded head coach. Um, but this team's not going away. You can plug them in for 9, 10, or 11 wins, and I got to think they're going to be in that playoff conversation. Now, you bring up Russell Wilson. He was just about perfect on the day, completed his first 12 attempts, finished 31 of 35 for 322 yards and four touchdowns. They came out throwing, 
And there's been a narrative in the Seattle area and Seahawks fans that they want to see more of Russell Wilson throwing the football, dropping back and getting the ball into his receivers, or in the case of Sunday, into the hands of his running back, Chris Carson, who had two of those four touchdowns. Well, they gave up 506 yards to the Falcons. They were three for nine on third down. Now the key is when it came to Russell Wilson, they were able to protect the football. And the fact that he had four touchdowns, I think this is the recipe they're going to go with. But I don't know how many games you're going to win on the road by giving up 506 yards. True. Head coach Pete Carroll did come out after the fact and say we need to be more balanced offensively. Carson and Carlos Hyde only had 13 carries between the two of them. And you certainly don't want to be one-dimensional even if you do have a Russell Wilson and you're that successful because it does put added stress on everyone else offensively and your defense as well in the event you're going three and out or you're having shorter drives because there's incomplete passes. Yeah, just like Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson led the team in rushing. You ready for this? Three carries, 29 yards. Then you throw in Carlos Hyde, who I thought was a good pickup, seven carries, 23 yards. And as you mentioned, Chris Carson, you know, he had – uh, six carries for 21 yards, but in, in the passing game, Chris Carson, as you mentioned, had two touchdowns. So, once again, run it back by committee, and we had five quarterbacks led their team in rushing. They were 5-0. and Yeah, and probably, as I think about it, probably not a great stat <laughs> if you're the head coach and you pick up and you see who's leading your team in rushing, and that would even include uh, Kingsbury as well. My guess is every single head coach would love to have their running back atop that as opposed to their quarterback. Well, you throw in um, you know, Cam Newton. Obviously, he's a different uh, weapon than Tom Brady was, what they had there. I don't know if Cam Newton can run 75 yards every game, and I don't know if Kyler Murray can run for 100 yards and get credit for 89. But it's not a surprise that they're dual-threat quarterbacks, and it's something – you know, I look at Kyler Murray, besides Lamar Jackson, this guy's an athlete, and he, he looks like a running back. He can, he can run 4-3. You know, people are comparing to Russell Wilson when he got in the league, Steve Young. Kind of reminds me of Mike Vick, and the good news for, for Kyler Murray, he doesn't take those big hits. No, and that's something that needs to be pointed out, as Daniel Jeremiah did on his social media accounts at Move the Sticks, he brought this fact up after watching the film of Murray, and he said this on Twitter, quote, Kyler Murray ran the ball 13 times for 91 yards. He slid, went out of bounds, or scored on 12 of the 13 runs. He was only tackled one time, pulled down by the shirt. He's mastered the ability to protect himself on the move. It's teaching tape for athletic quarterbacks, end quote. That's the area that Murray excels at even a year ago. He can run, he can scramble, but he gives himself up. He knows not to get hit. Now, I don't even know if he's really been, oh, maybe what, maybe once or twice now in 17 games in which he's really been brought down to the ground. Yeah, so when you hear about these mobile quarterbacks, uh, listen, I understand Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he can run. And I'm not comparing, but they're they're not, they're not like Kyler Murray. The only guy I compare him to in the NFL right now is Lamar Jackson. And the Ravens are going out of their way by drafting running back and going with their tight end sets. Uh, he doesn't run as much, and maybe there'll be a point in time for that. But when it comes to these dual quarterbacks, they're not like Kyler Murray. You're talking about four three three speed. 
Um, and I think it's it's part of his repertoire, and that's what makes him so efficient on game day. Well, everyone was excited about Robert Griffin III, RG3, on how effective he was running the ball, but he didn't protect himself. No, and that, that's what you have to do as a quarterback. You know, it, it's great when you fight for those extra yards, but sometimes it's better to dial back and get out of bounds or just slide and say, you know what, we'll get those two, three yards that I could have gotten if I had sustained a hit and let someone else uh, be put into that fire. No, it was done by design to add some bulk to his upper body. I mean, not to take the big hits, but to survive an NFL season. He started 16 games last year, and I really believe, and even though the numbers don't reflect it, after they played the Ravens, you could see he was on the sidelines watching Lamar Jackson run. A couple weeks later, he started running more, and I think that's who he is, and I don't think that's going to change. And we'll see just exactly how much Murray decides to run or is able to run coming up this week against Washington, and certainly given the Washington defense just how effective Murray will be, and that is something that we can certainly get into as the week progresses as we head towards week two, Cardinals and Washington at State Farm Stadium. By the way, that is a 105 kickoff, 8.30 a.m. The pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. And on that note, we're going to put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.